What's up, everybody? This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, Dog Whistle Brandon. Today on DWB, I had a chance to sit down with a good friend of mine and fellow Marine turned entrepreneur, Katie Horgan, founder of Bravo CPG, which provides outsourced operations and logistical support to rapidly growing CPG brands. I met Katie at a Bunker Labs event back in 2018, and her and I have been friends ever since. She even came to visit me at one point in Newark. She bootstrapped Bravo CPG after gaining experience in several startups, including Plated.com, an online subscription-based food delivery startup that was eventually acquired by Albertsons for $200 million in 2017. Trust me when I tell you, Katie is a beast when it comes to building systems and coming up with creative ways to source consistent leads. On the show, she shares with Bill and I how she bootstrapped the company and acquired her first 10 customers, and also how she's approaching scaling up. Katie was one of the first interviews I conducted on the show back in November, but I'm just now getting to releasing it. So I'm excited to catch up with her offline and get an update. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Gunny, you know what to do. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy and business coaching for veteran owned businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media and business coach at the Lions Pride. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Welcome to Dog Whistle Branding. Today we got Katie and Bill. What's going on, y'all? Hi, thanks for having me. Good to be back with you, Mike. I know. I'm Good all to hang out with you, Katie. This is the only time I actually get to see Bill because he's out there hustling. <laughs> and his time's worth ten thousand dollars a minute. So I get him on the pod. There you go. And then we got Katie whose time is worth fifty thousand dollars a minute. So we really <laughs> got an extra treat. Very kind. So, let's just jump right in. Katie, tell our listeners about Bravo CPG. And then what I would love for you to talk about is your go-to-market strategy initially. Because me and you have known each other for a few years. When you first started, you were just like, oh, I'm doing consulting for mm-hmm. consumer packaged good companies. Then one day I checked LinkedIn. And I'm like, what the heck is this Bravo CPG? And you're telling <laughs> me you've got like 12 contractors. You're in this like growth stage. So clearly something happened to where you were like, you know what? I'm going to pour some fuel on this thing and get it to the next level. So floor is yours, Katie. Yeah, I'm happy to tell you more about the company. And a lot has definitely happened since, since the last time we saw each other. So Bravo CPG does fractional operation support for early stage CPG companies, consumer packaged goods. Um, what that essentially means is we're part-time COOs, part-time, op, part-time ops managers. A lot of the brands we work with are somewhere in the one to $10 million revenue range. So they're off the ground and they're running, but they don't have a fully formed operations team and they need some type of support. A lot of times what they're lacking is a senior strategic level leader that can come in and direct things, uh, help them understand what their priorities are, um, what initiatives they should pursue, and how to avoid some of the traps that people can fall into as they're scaling 
a business with physical products, which is just fraught with peril. So headline is where part-time uh, operations help and we work at two levels, the, the strategic, which is like a COO level, and also the tactical, which is more of your operations manager that's keeping the trains on the tracks and, and running the daily operations. Um, the majority of our clients are in three industries, food, beverage, and beauty. We'll work with anybody with a physical product because they face the similar challenges regardless of the product type, but we have specific expertise in food, beverage, and beauty. Yeah. When you, again, when you first started, this was just like, oh, I'm just a consultant. I'm working with a couple of brands, right? But you've scaled yeah. up, right? Talk to us about when you first launched, right? Like how were you able to get your first, you know, 10 clients? Well, the headline is I just kept saying yes until I needed to hire and that forced me to hire. Like that's the headline. But the longer detailed version is, is yes, I was working for myself as a consultant. Um, and I reached a point where I, I started to get more inbound than I could handle. And I kept saying yes. And I had two options at that point. Well, saying no was not an option. So the remaining two options were either raise my prices until I can't raise them anymore uh, or start to hire and have other people help me complete the work that was coming my way. Uh, there's been a lot of activity in the startup space, obviously for many years, startup space, but specifically in e-commerce and also uh, food and beverage companies. And I, I previously worked at a, a few different startups after business school that were in those spaces. So I already had some expertise and I already kind of had a toehold into the industry. And once you start working with a few brands, you start to get additional referrals and it kind of just snowballs from there. Um, so I went with the path that said, I'm going to keep saying yes and hire people. Uh, and, and it kind of has just grown from there. Like I never really thought that this could be where it is now and where I intended to be next year. Uh, but it was kind of the intersection of, you know, what, what do they say where luck is where uh, opportunity meets preparation uh, based on what had happened in the pandemic, e-commerce exploded. There was already a lot of investment in food, beverage, and like early stage CPG companies. And uh, I was ready <laughs> when it happened. So that is, uh, that's how we ended up here. And I've just continued to hire. Um, and now we're getting to the point where I'm trying to balance um, supply and demand. So like in order for me to say yes to things, I had to be prepared from a staffing perspective, but in order for me to carry that headcount, I need to make sure I don't get too far ahead of my skis where I'm burning the cash before I can bring the clients in the door. So that's, that's something that I is top of mind that I'm working through right now. Bill, what comments do you have? Uh, implement, uh, an A player bench, Katie. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> should be very proud of uh, what you've done and uh, should be very energized by by what's happening now and and what that informs for your future so congratulations on that thank you um second it's always 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 um a challenge to uh, uh hire at the right the so-called right time mm -hmm. but in hiring there is no goldilocks time you're either early or you're late. That's just the way that it is. True. And in in the world of the theory of constraints by uh, uh, Ellie Rue Goldratt, he would tell you that you would hire early, mm -hmm. that you would have people on the bench. Most of us can't do that, especially startups. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, uh, what we what I would suggest that you do is that you you integrate this mantra of I'm always recruiting, I'm occasionally hiring. And so you're always out there interviewing, you're always out there 
my opportunity is coming, are you interested? And then when your opportunity comes, you close the deal, you need the ops manager, you need the COO, mm -hmm. you call up the six people on your bench and you go, hey, where are you at right now? I got an opportunity, you ready to go? Four are gonna say no, you know, it's not the right time. They're yeah. excited what they're doing or they're on vacation for a year or whatever. But then you got two, you narrow them down, boom, you got a player. And the reason is, because those people need great opportunities in their careers and you're the one out uncovering the opportunities. They don't have to go look for them. All mm -hmm. they got to do is stay on your bench and you're going to put them in the game and they're going to pitch a no hitter and win the world series mm -hmm. because of you. Now I have a comment for our listeners based on what Katie said, because we jump in this podcast, we just jump right in, right? We don't spend too much time talking about ourselves. Right. But there's mm -hmm. this concept of product founder fit. Katie is a mm -hmm. Marine logistics officer, former Marine logistics officer, all right? She worked yeah. at a high growth uh, startup in the food industry called Plated. And then she yep. started, you know, her company on the consultant end and kept getting these inbound leads. And Bill, this is not common on the like, especially for like these fractional COOs, because even in Alliance mm -hmm. Pride, we've seen a lot of people try the fractional COO thing. And I've seen it like not work out for a lot of people, but no. What you did, Katie, and this is where you get the dog whistle brand, A++, is you narrowed in on a niche, which is that consumer packaged goods aligned with, you know, your background from that product founder fit. And I'm, I mean, I'm just baffled by the fact that, like, you're succeeding in this space because I've literally met multiple fractional COOs that were just like, I couldn't do it. They started out right. with, like, one client, but after that, mm -hmm. it was, like, overwhelming. They couldn't get more. They couldn't figure out how to do it. But uh, Mike, uh, you know, I don't know why you're baffled. You said that Katie's a Marine and Marines <laughs> just do. So, I mean, this Get isn't surprising. But Katie, uh, I think what, what you see the book behind Mike, Play Bigger, uh, one of the concepts that we believe in, we're not so much fans of product market fit. We're, we're more fans of problem solving fit. And what it seems like you've done for yourself is you you – uh, logistics and ops are in your background. You're energized and excited by though, by those those issues that come up. You're very skilled at it. You wake up to those problems. You solve them in a unique way, and you now can step into a market CPG one to ten million, and you understand uh, those founders, those CEOs. You understand those problems. You have a unique perspective to those based on your expertise and your experience. And boom, you're closing deals. Now, see, most people don't do that. You mentioned the Bunker Lab VCs and there's all this product market bullshit and all this sort of stuff. That's not it. Not at our level. You know, if you're at the unicorn level, which very few people are qualified to do, and even if they are qualified, they probably don't do it. The odds are definitely against them. But in our small business where we're putting veterans into small businesses and those veterans are employing people in America, which is really what energizes me, it's it's you identifying problems and you coming with a solution. Rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. Katie, talk to us about your market in stack. Right. So, you know, a lot of people do a bunch of stuff. They launch a company. They want to make Instagram pages and this and that and the third. Right. What is it that you're doing to get those inbound leads? Uh, yeah, so I've got a couple of things going on. And I, and I will say, you know, just to kind of jump off of what Bill had previously said, 
before I share about the marketing, um, I didn't intend to end up here. I think it's life is like not just business, but it's like a series of tweaking and like slight adjustments until you get to where you want to go. And like I said earlier, I had no plan for this to be where it is, but I kept trying something until I found something that worked and then I'm going to hammer and go all in on it. And that's like true for anybody that's starting a business, regardless of the type. So I'll just say that this was not like the long-term plan. It was an opportunity that I just grabbed and continue to grab. Um, and to answer your question about the marketing stack. So when I was just working for myself, I, you know, I got referrals, which is great, but I'm thinking like, I need to actually replace my market salary, which is not going to happen just by referrals alone. So what can I do in terms of outbound, like cold outreach? So I started, you know, identifying places, you know, first, the first step is what is my ideal customer look like? Where do they hang out? Right. Uh, and there was a few things I was able to identify in terms of websites and events. And I basically got myself a list and I went to LinkedIn and I found those people and I cold emailed them. And I cannot tell you multiple six figures in sales, like without sharing too much detail, cold emails. I, I can't believe it. Just like from my personal email address. Um, and so that, that was part of the initial strategy was cold outbound via email with like a personalized message. Um, like I'd say, Hey, I found you on XYZ. I love your brand. I, this is what we do. If, if you have any interest in a chat, like not pushy at all. And that's a simplification. I went through many iterations of that message until I started getting a higher response rate. Um, and then as I got a little bigger, it, it became impossible. That's very time consuming. So the next step was to go to Upwork and get somebody to build lists for me and then do a mail merge. And so I did that as a second step. And now I actually have, um, an outsourced sales team in Serbia, a, a woman I was introduced to by um, Justin Nasiri, who runs the Beyond the Uniform podcast, you, you may know. He worked with her as well, and she's in my LinkedIn uh, doing the exact same thing I was doing in email, but over LinkedIn. You can use Sales Navigator to build lists of leads and then reach out to them. So we know what the client looks like. We know how to find them on LinkedIn, and she sends you know 100 emails a month or whatever it is. And again, I, I can't believe the success of, of that outreach. So it's majority uh, at this point, um, cold outreach on LinkedIn through, a, through the messaging. And then we also have referrals um, from partners and also like my personal network that are another, I would say about a third of the sales that we make. So I have a comment, but I'm gonna okay. let the stage go first. No, good Katie. And, and, and I think one way to um, where my brain goes is the double down on making those cold emails a little bit warmer with the undoubtedly incredible case studies you have, um, where you you may sh you may share uh, one or two uh, um, case studies that they could watch if they so desire. It's not a testimonial. It's not a little soundbite. It's the real deal case study where you're talking to these uh, clients who had this major issue that you walk them through. There they were, there you came, you rode up on the horse, boom, you did this and that. And now this is where they're at. And the idea would be these cold people who are like, is she really the real deal? Uh, they go, you know what? That's me. I need to talk to this woman. So another thing, and this is me on the marketing and branding side of the house for our listeners, right? I have recently learned about this idea of like a market first mentality, right? No matter how awesome your product or service is, if there is no market need, there is no market need. You understand? But with you, you found a market need. So there are people already 
had the problem, are looking for solutions for the problem, and are probably already spending money on the problem. So when you start cold emailing people, it was like, take my money, right? And that's <laughs> why I think you've been able to achieve that rapid growth because you've literally found a market need and you're uniquely positioned to solve it, which goes back to that uh, product founder fit. And when I was starting out, right, I'm still not a list guy. I suck at the list. You were like, oh, you send these emails. You had these lists. You're doing it every morning. She's not telling the truth, y'all. She would get up at like six o'clock in the morning and send like 10 cold emails like a day routinely. Um, I'm I'm not there. Uh, I'm, I'm creating content, whatever. But kudos you on that. So I just want to say that market first mentality and you got to test and validate. So when you start getting hits right off the bat, that lets you know that there was like a market need. And so you were able to accelerate uh, on that. Yeah, well, just a couple of quick comments on that there. So you would not believe the number of people I reach out to that are like, I need this exact kind of help. I can't believe your timing. Like I'm desperate for, a, a, you know, fulfillment partner search. I, I can't tell you like the number of people that it's just exact right time at right place. And also obviously that's a numbers game. Um, and uh, also on the fractional support model side, like there's this other trend happening. People are getting more comfortable specifically in the startup space with the idea of a, of a fractional CEO, whatever, right? Um, and so there's a lot of companies doing it in the finance space. There's companies in the accounting space, marketing, sort of in sales, not really, but ops, not really. Like there's a couple other people doing it, but part of the reason why people haven't done it in ops is because it is so custom. You can't just, you can't operationalize ops. There's just too many things that can happen across clients. And so I think we were kind of, yes, we identified the need, but nobody else has been like willing to go double down on ops because it's a, it's a pain in the ass for lack of a better way to say it. And it's, it's, inherently unscalable, like in the way that we think companies should be. Um, and it's been interesting because I don't know that many folks who have scaled service-based businesses. It's very different. How are you balancing, right? Client delivery currently, right? With making sure you're putting forth the effort to recruit. Now, I know you hired the woman in Serbia and that is like working really good for you, but like, is it working to the point that like you're ignoring marketing? You don't have to worry about it. Or is it like still like, oh, I get done with this client. Now I feel like I got to sprint to get another one. Yeah. So that's definitely still something I'm working through. Like I made a decision a few months ago that I wanted to step out of client work because it's so distracting. It's not so much the quantity of work. It's the immediacy. Like something happens, you have to respond. Like if you have an emergency, I was dealing with some of those things today and it just derails your day. Right. So it prevents me from being able to think strategically start to think about like the org structure and all the things you have to do like as the leader of the company. So I did try to step out, a couple of things happened. I got pulled back in. So I'm still kind of in this place where I'm doing client work in addition to strategy, hiring, uh, sales and all that. I've stepped almost completely out of sales at this point until we get to the point where, you know, it's a qualified lead, they scheduled a call. Um, and I actually have someone taking those initial calls now, but I will get in once we've had initial chat with them and we identify what they need. And then I take the rest of the process all the way through. So it's pretty hands off uh, until we get to the proposal stage, which is great. Hiring, I've also um, retained the services of another company who does fractional hiring. Somebody I went to business school with who's, who's great. It's a Beam Talent Agency is the name of the company. Um, and she is, is running my hiring. So again, they're doing all the phone screens because um, I was getting sucked into these conversations. And, and I realized five minutes in, the person's a dud. You know, it's not not the best use of my time. 
So I now have, I basically am almost fully out of that until we get to the point where it's a qualified person that I want to hire. So it it's not uh, evenly balanced to the point where I want it to be just yet. I think I need to fully step out of client work with maybe one exception. Like I feel like having one client is still good to stay connected to folks and also to um, just, just bring in some additional revenue, to be totally honest at this point, because I can command a slightly higher rate. But it's still it's still definitely not where I want it to be in terms of balance. That's one of the reasons I launched this podcast. I'm teaching a lot of content is for the first time, right? Have the ability and some margin to get ahead of the you know client delivery and they got to go chase clients versus like doing it concurrently. Yeah. Um, so, Bill, I have two questions you wanted to ask uh, Katie. Well, no, what one was uh, just a a. Uh, how impressed I am with the way uh, Katie's leading uh, with her her cold uh, marketing. I get tons of that myself, both on LinkedIn. I get I get abusive emails uh, all the time. Uh, I got off the airplane and checked my email. I had like four, Bill, I'm awesome. You need this, you know, uh, sort of emails. It, here, book a call right here, Bill, and let me sell you something. So offensive. They don't know a thing about me. And they don't know anything about our business, and it's not inquisitive. It's just shouting at me and how great they are. Katie, you strike me as you're definitely not that person. And I think it's relevant, Mike, to this podcast because um, uh, our veterans who are listening to this podcast are definitely the real deal. They may they may be new to small business, but they're not new to challenges and missions and striking out and they do not want to hang out with Mamby Pamby inauthentic look at me please on how great I am kind of vendors potential vendors and so I think it's it's imperative that we choose uh, the low-key approach we choose the referral approach Katie we choose the authenticity approach here's what we do here's who we help here are the results we've got not in a, a ego bragging but just like if you'd like to talk, we'd love to help yeah. sort of a viewpoint. And, and there's strike. a lot of, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a lot of people we reach out to who just, um, okay, thanks for the info. Not right now. And then they come back. Right. Like we, we closed the clients that I talked to a year ago, you know, so it's mm-hmm. not being pushy, I think invites them to come back when they're ready. So that's, that's part of why we, we, and I also just don't want to piss anybody off. Um, but I think Mike and I have talked about this before, like something I've struggled with, you know, since LinkedIn is one of my main channels, you have to promote yourself. Like that's just kind of the way it is on LinkedIn. You want to use that tool to the best of your ability. So I really struggled with, um, you know, when I, when I send those messages, all people see is my, my little tiny picture. And then like whatever I put in my headline and I really struggled with what to put in that headline. Cause I see everybody have visionary creator, what, whatever it is that's in there. And I hate talking about myself. And I think that's also hate promoting themselves as a, as a general rule but I bit the bullet and I put some of the stuff in there. Like I put the the word veteran in the title. I put Columbia business school. I put a few other things that I kind of felt to be self-promotional, but I can't help but feel that that, you know, increases the response rate, like use what you have. Like there's no shame in it. I don't consider myself a self-promotional person. And that was kind of a, a hurdle I had to get over, but I mean, it's working. So. And Katie, I'll say, you know, I talked to, um, I don't know if I talk to hundreds of veterans a month, but I talk to a lot and almost to a person says the exact same thing you just said, especially if they're starting their own brand. And Iron Mike was in the exact same position about two years ago where 
the the more I learned about him, I'm like, bro, why why did I just learn about that right now? <laughs> Mike, we gotta we gotta up your brand. And Katie, in the beginning, um, every entrepreneur's brand is them. They they really have nothing. And and what I don't like, and I did this, Katie. Uh, when when I started my first companies, I was probably your age, and um, I pretended like I was big corporation, you know. Oh, well, I'll have to talk to the sales department about that, or I'm not sure manufacturing can do that. Instead of being me, instead of just being comfortable that I was a startup entrepreneur, the brand was really nothing in the beginning except for me. I was the guy with the little briefcase that was trying to sell something to somebody in the waiting room. And I think when we grasp that and we understand that, Katie, you, you did go to Columbia, you are a military veteran, you're, you're a badass. What is wrong with just being who you are in a very humble way and then doing that in the context of, I have a little bit of experience, I got a little bit of expertise, it might work for you or it might not, but why don't we explore? If y'all are listening to this and you're a veteran, right? Fucking let us know, you know, put it out there, right? Like I'm telling you, there's enough vanilla on the internet already. Like Bill was just talking about, right? We get these shitty emails, you know, sign up for this, do this, right? That's all noise. The whole point of Dog Whistle Branding is to channel through the noise and stand out from the crowd. And I'm not talking about being an asshole, you know, look at me, look at me, I'm so amazing. I'm talking about authentic branding. This is who we are. This is who we serve, right? And fucking wear it on your chest. I just got back from Hoover Institute. They had my name tag, Iron Mike Stedman. That would have made me a comfortable two years ago. But to be honest, man, I've been through some stuff, right? <laughs> I'm like Muhammad Ali, jaw been broke, been knocked down. You know, it's, I'm the real deal now. But it's, it's, it's this little voice in the back of our heads that make us feel uncomfortable to do it. And this ties into my next question for Katie. All right. So you're where you're at now. You got about 12 contractors, right? You've created this, this business. Okay. One of the things we talk about is these key thrusts, right? What are you going to do to get to the next level? And from a marketing and branding perspective, what do you need to do to help drive that? Yeah, that's important, Katie. Uh, let me just expound on that. If you would, the, uh, our planning moves in two directions. Uh, one is, uh, key thrusts, which are the operational capabilities to enable the other part, which are winning moves. Winning moves are driving revenue. And um, so I think uh, when your your brand is energized, you now need to move into accelerating the brand by planning out your company for 2022. And so your brain is moving towards ops, but at the same time, it's moving towards winning moves. And you were saying, well, I, I need to close a contract to hire somebody. That's the yin and the yang of winning moves and key thrust. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about um, the planning for 2022, which admittedly I haven't spent enough time on to Mike's question about balancing like client deliverables and like my role in running the company. Um, so something we've been focusing on a lot in, in Q4 of this year is the sales process, like getting that to a point where you know, it's tight, it's it's running on autopilot, and we're also putting good quality leads in there. Because I think what we've learned over this last year is like, you can email 500 people, but maybe only 300 of them are, are actually any 
good as far as leads are concerned, and then maybe you forget to follow up with the last 100, right? So squeezing what else we can out of that pipeline. So I actually pulled somebody uh, from my team up to help me on the strategy side because I am by myself. Uh, I'm I'm a single, you know, founder. I don't like to use the term founder, actually. I think it's overused. No offense to anyone who does use it, but personally for me, owner is a better term. Maybe we can unpack that later. Um, but I have I have pulled somebody else up on the strategic level to support me. And we've spent this quarter, you know, refining and improving that process and also building tools that we can track and expose like what our conversion rates are because I need to have conviction over if I put 100 leads in, how many are going to come out? And that helps me from a planning perspective. So that's been a top focus. Um, the next one, which I haven't given enough attention to yet, is what does the organizational structure look like? What does it need to look like to get us where we want to go by the end of next year? So I have revenue goals, and it's basically going to end up doubling uh, if we can hit the goals, not if, when we hit the goals. It's going to end up doubling the size of the organization. And so there's a lot of things that have to happen. I can't directly manage. 25 people well, right? I'm going to have, there's going to have to be some other structure that, that comes in. So organizational structure is the second one. And the third also, which hasn't gotten enough attention yet is refining the client offering and what the engagement uh, life cycle looks like for a client. So we're aiming to hold clients for anywhere from six to 18 months. And we expect them to go through a build phase, a maintain phase, and then eventually a transition phase where we help them find a full-time hire and bring somebody in house. And there's a lot underneath that. Like previously, we've just been grabbing work and building the hours and doing the, you know, helping them, helping them build out their operations. But we need to pivot into a little bit of a more structured approach. Um, we can't bring a ton of standardization into the work just because of the nature of the work we do. But there are some ground rules we can set for how engagements will play out, what our touch points are from, you know, an admin perspective and uh, retention playbook, all of those things. So. As far as um, the planning for 2022, it's really sales, what the organizational structure needs to look like, um, and then you know the, the, the offering and the engagement. Um, hiring is continuous, kind of like you mentioned earlier, Bill, like that's gonna continue. And I think the real big key to our success is just finding the right people, like the right people can figure it out. And that's been the hardest part of my job. It will continue to be the hardest part of my job, I think. What about branding and marketing? specifically positioning yourself in the marketplace, right? Like the clients you have now versus the clients that you want to get in the future, right? What are you the steps you're going to do to get there from an external kind of branding perspective? Yeah. So when you say branding, do you mean like, um, like marketing materials or are you talking about the actual like marketing process itself? No, you know, it's a good point to bring up because whenever I talk about branding, people always assume I'm talking about aesthetics. What I'm yeah. saying is does your perfect customer that next level customer, right? What are you doing to make it easy and clear for them that they know who you are, what you stand for, and you've also got the credibility to back it up? Mm -hmm. So part, yeah, part of that is definitely refining the client offering and what the life cycle looks like. Um, I've also, we, we, we do have kind of a, a roadmap of things we want to tackle. And one of them is what is the next level of client look like in order to hit our, in order to hit our revenue goals, like there's more than one way to go about it. You can get a bunch of small clients or you can get fewer number of larger clients, which is just better for us as a business. It's better for my account leads. So we're in the process of thinking through like what an engagement that look, could look like that is larger and, and how we need to position our services, where to find those people. How do we talk about our value propositions? Do we attract someone that wants more than like five to 10 hours a week, for example? Um, so that's still very much in, in progress, but that's one of the things that we want to 
to sort out is how do we position ourselves to get these larger clients? They're going to be better, better for the business. Love it. And the reason I asked that, that question is because so many of us, right, we launch these ventures and then it's like, okay, the messy middle right now, how do we get to that next level of either bigger client or, you know, just more enjoyable business offering, whatever. One of the things I did for me personally was, you know, I really like Seth Godin, right? But I also realized that like a lot of people might not necessarily resonate with Seth Godin. So I launched this podcast to be quite frank, to position myself as a Seth Godin of the veteran space, you know, really helping early stage uh, and growth stage veteran owned businesses, help them with their marketing branding. So we launched this podcast. Well, another goal I know is a key thrust is to write a book on dog whistle branding at some point. Now I'm not there, but it's just something to think about in the future. So that's why I ask like a lot of times we have these grand ambitions, but there's also like work that's got to get done to get us there. So really helping people think through like, what are the two to three things that I need to do that are going to get me to the next level from a brand perspective in the eyes of that ideal client? Yeah, there's a concept I, I use called the sandbox, Katie, which you're in the process of. And the sandbox is <clears throat> where are you playing and then potentially where do you want to play? So you're currently in a cool sandbox, one to 10 million CPG. And you said, uh, I don't know, maybe you want to be in 10 to 50 million uh, or 10 to 25. And so that's a sandbox that's over there. And you're speculating probably very correctly that that perfect prospect thinks and acts and, and listens differently than the one to 10. Certainly there's a huge difference between one and 10, a massive difference, but probably between 10 and 25 or 20 or 10 and 50. And then what you're going to do uh, to align with what uh, Mike was saying is you're going to be defining those characteristics in that profile because they may be hanging out in different places. They may have slightly different problems. They may resonate with different offerings that you may or may not have now. So this process that you're going through is defining and crafting out the acceleration into the sales channel that you talked about and how do you scale your organization and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think some of our clients will learn along the way as they grow because in theory, they're growing as we're supporting them. And if we actually do work with them for 18 months, they're going to, some of them are going to evolve into that second bucket and we'll be able to see what they need as they bring in additional team members and, and things, things change. So I think that'll be very informative right now. We're, we're basically serving as the entire ops organization. And I think it'll shift more to augmenting and like maybe special projects or like specific, more specific offerings that can augment an existing operations team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cause at 1 million, it's probably the, the, the owner and one or two employees and, and you probably are their ops team. We have several clients whose parents, they've pulled their parents in to help out. So the dad's like booking the freight and like, it's kind of funny. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely, they do not definitely do not have an operations team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I am excited for you, Katie. Uh, this is going to be a big year 22. I agree. I agree. Um, I will say, and I think Mike and I have talked about this. Uh, one of the one of the books that I read every year is Think and Grow Rich, and that whole idea of visual visualization. I, I mean, I can't tell you how effective it's been. Like the goals that we've had for twenty twenty one, I went through that process of identifying exactly what it was, and you know, 
writing it down and repeating it every day. And it's going to happen this year. And I have no doubt it's going to happen next year. And that's been extremely effective for me in terms of visualizing what you want to happen. And obviously, then you have to go figure out the plan (laughs) to make it happen. But being clear on what it is you're trying to achieve has been very, very effective for me professionally. Yeah, I, I think the operative terms that you use there, visualization, a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that on New Year's Eve. They visualize themselves uh, in less weight or they're healthier, whatever murky goal that they have. But then what you said was, I write it down and then I operationalize it, meaning I break it down into, well, what do I need to do this week and next week and this week? And what exactly am I talking about when I say 2022, I want to be healthier? And so uh, uh, Think and Grow Rich is great as long as you do those three steps. Yeah. Visualization. Yeah. You got to take it all the way through. And that's the Mm -hmm. hard work that most New Year's resolution sort of visualization people don't do, Katie. I would encourage everyone to do it. It works. I'm a big fan of Scott Mackis, right? And he talks about, you know, vivid vision, which he got from, I forgot the guy's name, but, you know, when he launched SABM, it was a vision for him, you know, and he has his little vision board and everything. So there's something to be said about it. Now, Katie's time is really worth fifty thousand dollars a minute, y'all. I'm not joking. I know. We got a couple questions for her before we let her go. Number one, your BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. That like overall North Star. You know what is it that you're going for? You know, long term, right? And then the last thing I will say is, what question? What general advice do you have for our listeners as they launch these ventures? Um, so for the BHAG, I've been working on this recently, and I believe it's supposed to be a longer time horizon, but I would like to sell this company by the end of 2024, which is three years from now, still working out what the dollar amount is, um, but I want to I want to sell it and position myself to go do what I'd like to do next, which is along the lines of investing and advising. Um, so that's the, that's the BHAG. I don't know if you want me to share a specific number or... <laughs> Whatever you feel, well, called, uh, you don't have to share a specific number, but what I would encourage our listeners to do is exactly what Katie has just done. When's the best time to plan the uh, exit of your business the day after you incorporate? This is an asset. It's not a job. You can go get a great job. And as Katie said, she hasn't, she for a time wasn't replacing her market salary. So when you're an entrepreneur, you don't have a job. You have an asset that you're building. And so the question is, Katie, you know, you're already doing this for yourself. What's your number? When do you walk away? When you move on to your next thing, whether that's uh, buy an island in in uh, in uh, in uh, uh, the Caribbean, or you go to work on your next thing, what's the timing? Who's going to buy it? And what are your terms? And those four things are key to driving that business at the acceleration speed that you said. Okay, 2024. You got a number. What are your terms? Are you cashing out? Are you taking an earn out? And who's going to buy you? A strategic, you know, all that sort of stuff. Anyway. Yep. And how do you break that down into like, what's my goal this year and this quarter? Yeah, you have to kind of know Boom. where you're going. That's, that's you know, the think and grow rich approach as well. Like, where are you going? You can't get there if you don't know where you're going. That's my that's my BHAG. Um, and as far as like advice for other um, entrepreneurs, I would say, you know, I feel like you really rise to the level of the people that are around you. And that was one really great thing about business school. I'm not saying you have to go to business school, but I was surrounded by people that 
um, expanded what I thought was possible. Like in the military, I really, I was kind of just like one foot in front of the other, do my job. Like um, I was very focused on what I was doing at the time and I didn't really see what what else was possible. I mean, when if you had asked me a few years ago, if I thought like the goal that I have in mind for 2024 was even possible, I would have said no way, but I've been surrounded by other people who are building businesses and have big goals. And that just kind of raises what you think is possible. And then you start doing it and you start to really feel that it's possible because you can see that it's starting to happen. So I would say, try to surround yourself with um, other people who can raise, expand your view of what you think is possible and also challenge you. Like you can do masterminds or peer advising or, you know, a groups like, you know, Lions Pride, for example, that can, can help push you. Um, and I would say that the other thing is, I mean, it's very basic, but don't, don't give up. Obviously, like there's such a thing as beating your head against the wall. If you're doing something that isn't working, that doesn't mean you should stop. It just means you should just, just move a little bit to the right or to the left, you know, keep tweaking until you get where you're going. Don't give up. Just course correct as necessary until you get where you're going to go and persistence um, and also being honest with yourself about what's working, what's not working. So you can tweak things like that will get you where you want to go. But if you quit, you're never going to succeed. That kind of goes without saying, right? So it's, it's basic, but it's a constant reminder and it's difficult, especially if you're doing a business by yourself because you're having to self-motivate. So that's another place where, you know, a peer group um, or a mastermind can come in and help you, help you push yourself forward. I have some comments and then I'm gonna let Bill close us out before though, we got to hear from you. Your perfect customer is listening to this podcast potentially. So we want to make sure that, you know, you can speak to them where they can find you at, et cetera. But here's something I was thinking about while you were talking and I wanted to come back to it. Number one, if you have less than 100 customers, business is a contact sport, right? Katie wasn't posting on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. She was getting out there. She was sending out cold emails. She's jumping on Zoom calls. She's looking at people in her eye. And we get this wrong, right? And honestly, 100 customers and beyond is still a bit of a contact sport. But I didn't know that, Katie. So I don't want people to make the mistake of, oh, my gosh, she's so lucky. Columbia Business School, Buzzwa. Listen, man, Katie was out there grinding. She was sending out those cold emails and she's doing the work. That's why she has a successful business. So again, if you have less than 100 customers, marketing and stuff is nice, but it's still that sales phase, right? So you got to get out there, cold emails, whatever's working for your medium while you con concurrently are branding and marketing, i.e., you know, giving uh, case studies, you know, uh, asking for referrals, et cetera. So that's peace. The other thing I want to say is, and I want to come back to this, let's be honest, small business is not as sexy as high growth tech startups, right? And I know when you launch, whether it's a consultant business or some other agency, or maybe you're selling some CPG products, right? We get in our little head and we're like, oh, this is just a thing I'm doing. It's not as sexy as all these other people. But I've seen the shift in you, Katie, from like, you know what, this little consultant thing, I got yeah. a business. I got 12 consumers. <laughs> you know, I got 12 contractors, et cetera, man. I'm proud of you and owning that. Thank and you. to our listeners, own it. Not saying that high growth tech startups, right, are a bad thing. We got some guests we're going to have on, we're going to interview. But again, a lot of us are going to be small business owners. It is what it is. Own it, embrace it, and learn the stuff you need to do to grow and scale that business to create something that's meaningful to you and meaningful to your customers. And I would make one point, I guarantee you most of those tech companies are not profitable. I've been profitable from day one and I will continue to be profitable because that's how I built my business model. So you tell me what's sexy. 
<laughs> the chance that you exit one in a million or that you build profitable business from day one, right? Bit sexy is how much you paid yourself last year. <laughs> sexy is how much money you got in your bank. And I don't need a peacock running around with a name tag telling me how awesome they are. But then when I say, hey, what was your W-2 wages? And they go, well, 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 we're working on that. Mm -hmm. uh -uh. And um, I'm going to I'm going to bet that. Uh, tell me if I'm right. You didn't raise a dime of capital. Nope. Bootstrap. Bingo. Bingo. This is the sweet spot of your listening audience right there. Mike, you need to put Katie on a billboard. Uh, out there on your LinkedIn and your podcast, because that right there is a home run, what Katie's doing. She's not, you know, focused on pitch decks. She's focused on 10 emails a day, hand-to-hand -hand combat, getting one or two leads and closing a deal. She's getting money in the bank and she's helping people, Mike. So you asked me to close this out. This is exactly what we want for our veteran small business owners. We want you to build a life outside of the military that pays you income, that hires people and pays them income and serves your customers, serves our country through your product, your service, whatever that might be. And if you want to build a $1 million business and that's enough income for you, go for it. You want to build a $10 million business, go for it. 50, you can build a hell of a lot of wealth off of a 50 to $100 million business. And that even right there is a massive small business. So all this talk about venture capital and this or that, and I need to do a pitch deck and I need to do this. I don't know, Katie. I'm just not a fan. Never, never raised a penny of capital in my life. And I build a lot of generational wealth from, from all my companies. And I don't say that to impress anybody, but it worked for me. And I just want to impress on our listeners Katie's the poster child of what we're talking about. This is doable. You can do it. Plug into Mike's podcast, plug into these tools, find Katie on, uh, if you need her services, find her on LinkedIn, get connected, do something. Don't talk about it, be it. And be in the civilian business world, what you were in the military. And so let's go do it. You didn't talk about how to, how, how great you were in the military. You just were a great soldier. Or sailor, or what are they in the Marine? Uh, Marine. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Katie. Where can people find you at? Yeah. Um, so our website is uh, bravocpg.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Katie Horgan. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to to talk to anybody who wants some advice, whether you need our services or not. Like, you know, to Mike's question, like ideally we're looking for for clients that are in the one to ten million dollar range that sell physical products, but we also do work with pre-launch companies. And, you know, from a mentorship perspective, I'm, I want to pay it forward. Like that's part of what I write out every day. When I write my goals, I, I write out what I'm going to give in exchange. And part of that is to help anybody who asks me for help. So I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody. For all our listeners, here's the deal, right? If you come across a company, that's a consumer package, good company, like Katie said, between one and 10 million, let's keep it in house, reach out to Katie, plug her if that's you on this podcast reach out to her as well right this is why we have these platforms to support one another and i want to strongly encourage you all to sign up for the newsletter for dog whistle brandon at the link in the show notes i haven't sent out a newsletter yet but i got a couple episodes in and i think i'm gonna be able to send out a monster newsletter here pretty soon so i appreciate you all for tuning in tuning in with us until next time peace love have a great rest of your week
Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we provide no-fluff and high-impact brand strategy for veteran-owned businesses. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders. We serve mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com. We'll be right back. 